What's up, boys? What's up? Hey. Hi, listener. Welcome to the 13th Floor Podcast. I'm Cece. I'm Alex. I'm James. And this week we're talking about... Who are we talking about, James? We're talking about Abraham Lincoln. That's right. We're talking about the dude that's on the penny, right? <laughs> you know, just the 16th president of the United States of America. Arguably the best president, some would say. <laughs> some would say that. That's an mm. argument I would listen to. <laughs> well... We're going to talk about Abraham Lincoln in a little while. But first, James, I want to hear, how have you been? I've been good. I saw an ant mimic spider today. You saw an ant mimic spider, Alex. It wasn't even the only spider that I saw in my home today, but that was the most interesting because I've never seen one before ever. And this one. You need to start asking yourself why you have so many spiders in your house, James. Ah, you never never question a blessing. No, so so just for for somebody who might not know, because after you texted me and said, hey, I saw an ant mimic spider, I was like, what's that? And I looked it up. But our listener might not necessarily know what that is, James. So can you just kind of like describe it? Sure, yeah. An ant mimic spider. I mean, when I first saw it, I thought, I was like, oh, I got a little ant on my window. And I leaned in and I immediately I was like, it's not moving the way ants normally move. And then I got a closer look and I was like, I think it's an ant mimic. So I put my finger in front of it to see what it would do. And it immediately gets curious in a way that an ant simply wouldn't. And it jumps onto my finger, feels what I'm assuming to be the blood in my capillaries rushing through my finger, panics, (laughs) jumps off my finger and dangles by silk until I, I gently placed it back on the window. So what an ant mimic is, is a spider that has evolved to look remarkably similar to an ant so that it can just hang around where the ants are and be like, hi, everybody, I'm an ant too. And then when like one ant's by themselves, they just pounce on them and eat them. It's basically the thing. So John Carpenter's the thing, but for ants. I feel like you've talked about this once before. Maybe. A long time ago on Uh, the show. Maybe, but these pictures you sent us earlier today, it's pretty amazing. Yeah, yeah, their little petty palps kind of look like antenna, and they even wave them around. And they also use their front legs kind of similarly, so it doesn't draw suspicion. So they really walk on six legs. So they're just a, a really interesting little jumping spider. Well, that's what when I when I first saw the pictures, I thought this is this just an ant that like pretends like it's antennas. Like, is it an ant mimicking a spider, or is it a spider mimicking an ant? Yep. And you you just told us, James. Yep. It's a spider mimicking an ant. Ooh, okay, well, <laughs> Alex built me a garden today. Yeah, I saw so, on Instagram. That's awesome. Yeah, we got the little wooden area done, and the I put beds. down some cardboard. Yeah, yeah, the raised beds, and then we're going to fill it all with dirt tomorrow, probably. Good deal. Yeah. Yeah, and then, and then listener, I'll post a picture of the thousand zucchinis that I end up growing. There you go. Oh. Yeah. If you can James. get it, I re- highly recommend uh, compost instead of dirt. Well, that's why I told Alex I want to start composting, and Alex said that's going to be stinky. <laughs> I just said, I said something to question. Yeah. Actually, it's so funny. You know, you have a good compost pile when it doesn't smell. There you go, Alex. So we just got to get to the point where it doesn't smell. Yeah. And then you'll be okay with it. But you do have to shovel it every now and again or it explodes. So you do need to remember that. James. For like a newbie gardener like myself, what are the five vegetables you would recommend starting out with? Ah, well, you can't go wrong with any kind of greens like mustard or anything, mustard, turnips, etc. They're They're almost impossible not to grow. And uh, tomatoes are harder, but it's just, I mean, who doesn't love a real good, I mean, you've all heard me go on a rant yeah. about tomatoes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, I also highly recommend squash or zucchini, in which case, if you go with zucchini, just get one plant because holy crap, even with one plant, you're going to be giving people zucchini. Um, Cucumbers are good for similar reasons. Uh, Let's see. What would be number five? Number five pick. Easy (laughs) but delicious. Let's see. Hmm. I think I would have to go with peas. Peas. We like peas here here at our house. High five, Alex. That's what we're going to grow. Anyways, well, thank you, James, for giving me some insight on gardening and then also sharing the ant mimic spider with us. Mm. I'd say it's been a very interesting intro to our show today. But you know what else is interesting? Our hearty hellos. (laughs) Oh, 
like how you guys just like leave me hanging. We didn't know. I, didn't know I, I actually going. thought if I answered it for you, it would be more. Uh, it wouldn't be as good. Okay. Oh my goodness, James. I'm with James. We were both thinking the same thing. Yeah. No. We did it for you. Oh my. Okay, <laughs> you guys, today we are going to say hello to Belgium. <laughs> it also looks like we still got um, listeners in Bahrain, which is exciting. Cool. And then I also want to say hello to everybody in the Czech Republic. What's up? Yeah, that's where my family's from. And then, okay, here in the U.S. of A, Alex, I'm going to let you. Really? I'm going to let you do it Upside down. Upside down. Boom. All right, Alex is saying hello to everybody in Missouri. Nice. in Missouri recently. Yeah. Mm. But Missouri, you're getting another hearty hello. Missouri left us a nice review. Yeah, Missouri. Thank you. Oh, speaking of reviews, you guys, if you want to help out our show in any way, one of the best things that you can do, if you enjoy our show, please leave us a review on iTunes or the Apple podcast, whatever it's called. <laughs> we don't know what it does, but it helps. So if you do enjoy our show, please just go give us a shout out. Say hello. Hey, I like the show. Boop. Five stars. Click it. It just takes <laughs> 20 <laughs> seconds of your time and it fills our hearts. Our, our hearts with so much love. I like it. I, you guys can't talk about iTunes with me. It's just me. Reading <laughs> <my iTunes. laughs> no, it's, it's very appreciated. Yeah. Right. We love hearing Do from it. you. Thank, thank you guys. Okay. <laughs> my goodness. This is a CC show today. Oh, yeah. Well. CC's going to cover all three of our topics for us. Actually. All three of them. That's how I feel. Okay. Listen. I thought for our icebreaker today, James, unless you have one that's like immediately coming to you, I have one that's just completely unrelated to all things. Go for it. Okay. So I'm just like going away from Abraham Lincoln. It's not a topic related icebreaker today, but I just want to know what would be your Harry Potter house if the sorting hat was put on your head? Oh my gosh. (laughs) I think we all know mine already. Yeah, James would clearly be a uh, a Ravenclaw. A Hufflepuff. Oh. I was going to yeah. say Slytherin. Wow. I guess we no. all have different views on it. I think that you would be a Ravenclaw, hands down, because mm. you're just like a genius. Ah, thank you. Yeah. You're cunning, but I think you're smarter than you are cunning. Mm. <laughs> and Alex, let's be honest, Alex would be a Hufflepuff. What? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you totally be a Hufflepuff. Number one, I get really offended when people are upset that they're Hufflepuff because Hufflepuffs are amazing, but because you don't really fit into any, any of the other ones. Which one do you think you are? Slither. Slither. <laughs> <laughs> Which one do you guys think I would be? Hufflepuff. Okay with that. No, no, I agree. A Hufflepuff. Yep. According to Pottermore, I'm a Slytherin, though. Mm. Pottermore's yeah. not very good, then, huh? Alex, I'm gonna. Ha- <laughs> you need to take that back. I will when they fix their sorting hat. Alex, as Alex <laughs> did when I made Alex do the sorting hat, he did get Hufflepuff. So, ah. yeah, Alex was very angry, and I just said, "Why are you so mad?" Hufflepuffs are Hufflepuffs are a loser. <laughs> no, they are not. <laughs> no, they are kind, generous people. Fine. I'll be a Hufflepuff, but I'll actually be a Slytherin in disguise. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, okay, you guys. Alex and I are both Hufflepuff Slytherins, and then James is over (laughs) in the corner with his Ravenclaw badge on. Ravenclaw Slytherin Hufflepuff badge. Yeah. (laughs) So anyways, Harry Potter. It's great. Let's talk about Abraham Lincoln, though. Yeah, speaking of hats. Let's talk about <laughs> Abraham Lincoln. Oh, uh, 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 that was a good transition, Alex. Yeah. And you know who's starting us off today? Not me. Jamesy Pooh. Yep. James, what do you want to tell us about Abraham? I'm going to be talking about conspiracies regarding his assassination, particularly alternatives to John Wilkes Booth, because that's that's what everybody associates with his assassination. Um. And I'm going to start off, actually, with some little-known things that are not conspiracies, but actually well-established facts. Uh, a lot of people just think that Booth uh, really, really hated Lincoln and acted alone and killed him, and that was the end of it. But he actually had four other uh, conspirators who were all hanged for 
being his co-conspirators. So, mm. yeah, it was not just him acting alone. David Harold did. Um, he was a conspirator. Him and Booth actually went on the run together. So, I mean, like he was actually fleeing with him. Uh, and Harold had an interesting background. Uh, everything just seemed very normal for him. A lot of people described him as sort of simple. Uh, he actually tried to become a pharmacist at the time, which wasn't like being a pharmacist today. That being said, I mean, a handful of people described him as simple, but he had a very uneventful, normal life growing up in, in DC. But he uh, fell in with Booth and, and they just really didn't like Lincoln. I mean, seriously, that's it for him. But they, they tried him and hanged him. Uh, mm. Lewis Powell as well. Lewis Powell, at least his motive makes more sense. He was a Confederate soldier. He was wounded. He was taken prisoner on the second day of the Battle of Gettysburg. And so uh, as a result, you know, he had a, an axe an ax to grind, I guess, with Lincoln. <laughs> um, and for that reason, it was, it was very obvious that he was so committed to the cause that Booth actually gave him a very important mission, which was to kill the Secretary of State. And that's how he got caught, actually, because he failed to kill William Seward, who I always associate with buying Alaska. A lot of people don't think about this guy, but he's flipping cool. I'm glad he didn't get killed in this instance. But uh, Powell didn't manage to kill him. He did manage to injure him badly and injure members of his family. But, yeah, didn't exactly pan out so well. And here's the thing. He didn't get caught right then and there. He actually ran, but now everybody's looking for him, right? Well, he goes over and visits his buddy, Mary Surratt. Mary Surratt was the other conspirator. She's actually the only uh, woman who was tried and hanged for this conspiracy. Um, mm -hmm. She ran a boarding house in, in D.C., and she was a widow, and uh, she was very, very pro-Southern Maryland. So, in other words, the you know Maryland was a very divided state. Uh, she was she was all about the more Confederate sympathetic sympathizing Confederate sympathetic um, side to that particular uh, political mm, polarity, I guess you could say. So naturally, when they found him they, and they found her together, they they took them in, tried them, convicted them, and hanged them. Last person that we know was involved in this is George Atzerodt. And he was tasked with killing Andrew Johnson, the VP. So, again, this was a much bigger attempt than people think. It wasn't – I mean, it's an astonishing conspiracy when you consider that they attempted to and succeeded at killing the president. President. But they hmm. actually were going to wipe out the big three. They were going to kill the VP and the Secretary of State. Well, George was supposed to kill uh, the VP, Andrew Johnson. And uh, he went there to Kirkwood House, which is where Johnson lived. And instead of failing, he just straight up panicked. So <laughs> now, now that in and of itself is is not great. You know, it's not great. Even though I'm glad that he didn't kill Andrew Johnson, it's a bit of a it's an indication that he was a bit of a coward. Well, you know, on, on top of being a coward, he was also a braggart. So two very bad qualities. I, he's my least favorite of the four. I got to say. Um, he actually <laughs> bragged about the conspiracy to other people because he's an idiot. So they found him, implicated him in the plot, and hanged him. So literally the guy lost his nerve, would have just been able to live the rest of his life fine, but then goes on talking to people. So it's just amazing how people are, isn't it? Yeah, and that's the that's the that's what that what we've been taught though in history. We've been taught that that Booth killed Lincoln. We've been taught to a much lesser extent, very few few people know about it, that these other four individuals were part of a much grander plan that just didn't really pan out. But there's a few theories that some of which exonerate Booth, uh, in according to them, of course, and some of which still have him as as the main conspirator. The one that I think is the most interesting, and I think it's quite plausible, is that remember that guy who got injured, uh, Andrew Johnson. Mm -hmm. Well, some people think that he was part of it, and that's why he didn't actually get killed. So. Here's the, here's the thing. Um, William Browning was at uh, the Washington Hotel, which is where Andrew Johnson 
resides. Uh, well, resided. He's he's dead, <laughs> guys. Sorry to break the news. <laughs> but uh, the desk clerk actually uh, heard that uh, Booth was there. And this was before the actual execution or anything. So it wasn't a, a big deal. The clerk meets him. And so he takes a letter from Booth for Andrew Johnson, right? And it says, I don't wish to disturb you. Are you home? Now, the more logical conclusion we could take from that is that Booth was just trying to figure out where Andrew Johnson was so he could have him killed. But some people think that it's more likely that he was actually involved because he wanted to not be VP. He wanted to be BP, I guess. Uh, (laughs) So I can't believe you guys didn't laugh at that. Um, And one person (laughs) who actually very, very much believed this was Mary Todd Lincoln. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. She actually wrote to her friend, Sally Orne, and this is a quote, that, that miserable inebriate Johnson had cognizance of my husband's death. Why? Was that card of Booth's found in his box? Some acquaintance certainly existed. I have been deeply impressed with the harrowing thought. By the way, impressed doesn't mean the way we use it. She means like it's been impressed upon her mind. Uh, that he had an understanding with the conspirators and they knew their man. As sure as you and I live, Johnson had some hand in all this. So she totally thought that he did. Now, unfortunately, she was also completely crazy, according to a lot of people. So She, she had some issues. Yeah. So... It doesn't hold as much water if it had been someone with, uh, I guess, less of a reputation. But still, this is very plausible, as I mentioned. This I'm actually inclined to give some credence to. And we even have other examples of this in the modern era. You know, I've talked before about uh, H.W.'s possible implications in JFK's assassination. Well, it doesn't end there. Uh, John Hinckley Jr., who actually now has a YouTube channel. That's like news, by the way. That's like <sighs> just come out. Um, he tried to kill Reagan because he uh, had this weird fixation that, you know, if he did, he could get, uh, shoot, what's that actress's name from Taxi Driver? <laughs> uh, I don't know. I'm going to have to look it up because that is going to bother me. Jodie Foster. Um, yeah, she's in a lot of things, but that's what he associated with her for. Anyway. Um, fun fact, John Hinckley Jr.'s family was well acquainted with the Bushes, and actually a couple of days before Hinckley tried to kill Reagan, the family had stayed at the one of the Bush houses for dinner. So I I, I We've mean, talked about that before. Uh, have I we? Yeah. So, I, like I, I mean, again, you got JFK and, and HW, and then you've got uh, Hinckley uh, trying to kill Reagan and HW back when HW was his VP. So suspicious. The, yeah, exactly. Sometimes people want uh, they don't want to wait four years to run for election. So, and I'm not saying for sure that that's something that HW did, but I'm just saying there's a lot of evidence that suggests that. Well, similarly, we could see a same motive and some similar uh, evidence regarding Andrew Johnson. So that's a, I think, a very reasonable theory. Now. There are other ones, though. There, there are actually quite a few uh, of other alternative assassins. And they can be pretty outlandish, but not, not uh, completely dismissible at the same time. So uh, the one that I find more outlandish than the previous one, but still conceivable... Uh, is probably Judah P. Benjamin. So he was the Secretary of State for the Confederacy. Um, He was Jewish, and he actually had connections to the Rothschilds. So, Hmm. I mean, talk about conspiracy fodder, right? I mean, the Rothschilds, that's that's something that actually we've never talked about, really. Oh, my goodness. No, we haven't. Nuts. We haven't drawn it from the vase yet. Well, the Republican Party uh, during this era was well known for being – uh, pro federal rights, trumping state rights, and pro um, emancipation of slavery. But even within their ranks, there was a lot of people who were very anti-immigrant, and they were called the Know Nothings. I remember learning about them in uh, history class. 
Mm-hmm. And Mary Surratt, part of, as we mentioned before, she was one of those folks. She was very anti-Catholic. I mean, sorry. She was very Catholic. <laughs> and as such, she took issue with the Republican Party because the Republican Party, uh, for the most part, was quite anti-Catholic and anti-Semitic. Well, guess who has two things in common then? Judah P. Benjamin and Mary Surratt have a common enemy, the Republican Party. So some people even think that the Pope himself put some high-profile people together to see if maybe they could do away with Lincoln. And, you know, this the Confederacy was recognized by the Vatican. So it's conceivable that a, a Catholic conspiracy took place uh, combined with, you know, a handful of people like Judah P. Benjamin, who was Jewish, who didn't want to see the Republicans maintain power because of their anti-Catholic and anti-Jewish beliefs. So that's why they did away with him. That's nuts. Yeah. It's, it sounds crazy, but again, we're also, you also have to bear in mind, this guy was also secretary of state of the Confederacy. So a lot of people think that was the deal. A lot of people uh, during this day and uh, during that era, not, not so much now it's much more established that Booth did it, but it's not outlandish. It, it, it's a little weird, but it's not unthinkable given all the evidence. So, yeah. Um, and lastly, this is this is the last one that I'm I'm going to cover. Um, is uh, I, I, you can see a pattern here. I'm gone from the most plausible to the least. Um, so there was a fella. <laughs> there was a fella named Otto Eisenschimmel. And Otto Eisenschimmel was an Austrian-born chemist. He moved to the U.S. in 1901. As you can guess, that's 40 years after the end of the Civil War. So quite a ways afterwards. Uh, He was not a historian. He just really was into Lincoln and the assassination. He was was a conspiracy theorist, really. So he comes up with the Eisenschmiel thesis. And he swore up and down. He studied all these details for like 10 years. Kind of, it makes me think of of conspiracy theorists about Lincoln or about uh, JFK, you know, with the bullet and the green grassy knoll and all that. Mm. Uh, There, you know, there's people who are just very obsessed. Well, he was very obsessed and he concluded and wrote a book about it, which again, anytime money starts changing hands, that makes you me more skeptical in and of itself. But uh, he claimed that secretary of war, Edwin Stanton, was responsible that he came up with the whole thing and used everybody else's mere pawns in this much more elaborate game. So this is his proof. One, Stan had a motive. He didn't like Lincoln's proposals for reconstruction. He he wanted to just straight up burn the Confederacy to the ground. He was he was in it to win it. So okay, that's that's like out of everybody we've even talked about, that's like the least interesting motive. Like that's, I mean, at least with the other folks, it's like they were, they were worried about being persecuted. He's worried about peace. (laughs) That's uh, that's quite an odd thing. And then the other thing is that uh, Grant actually, this is more interesting. He was actually planning on going with Lincoln that very night. And, Stanton told Grant, no, you need to get out of Washington on some important business. And so Grant had to cancel. That is a little shady, right? Yeah. Additionally, there's more to it than that. He actually, uh, and this blows my mind when you think about the president's authority. I don't know how much has changed now, but Lincoln actually asked him, presumably, this is, and that's the that's an important thing. This is not a hundred percent factual. We don't know this for sure, but allegedly, Lincoln actually asked his war secretary, uh, "Hey, I would like uh, Major Thomas T. Eckert to be my bodyguard this evening." And Stanton was like, "No." <laughs> so again, we don't know that for a fact that that happened. But if that happened, holy moly, you know, combine that with the fact that he told Grant not to to go to the theater to get out of Washington. That's I don't know. It's a little freaky, right? Yeah. yeah. And lastly, and this is this is the other one. This is 
also more hearsay, but this has more evidence for it than what I previously just said. Um, as you can guess, when Booth, you know, killed Lincoln, he was immediately getting out of there. So he wouldn't yeah. get arrested and killed because, again, treason. Well, Stanton actually, you know, he closed all the bridges from the city except one of them, the Navy Yard Bridge. Guess how Booth got out of the city? Hmm. So that's kind of weird. And lastly, and this is the last thing. Uh, well, there's two, actually. Uh, additionally, this is also allegedly, but presumably he ordered some unions that, that they should kill Booth instead of arrest him. Now, I this guy sounds like a, a shoot first and ask questions later kind of guy, obviously. Yeah. But if you're wanting to find out if there's a conspiracy regarding the death of your president, you'd think that you'd want to catch the guy first and then try him and then execute him. But he wants him straight up killed. That sounds more like plugging a leak, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And lastly, and this is true. This one's 100% true. This is what makes me skeptical. Um, there were 15 pages in Booth's diary that Stanton ripped out. Hmm. Except for one flaw. Remember I said that was 100% true? It's technically not been corroborated. <laughs> oh, my god! So, yeah, I had, to, I had to give it a little – we had to make it a little more realistic until the very end. So that's the one that I'm <laughs> least inclined to believe. Um, that hmm. being said – Looking at all this evidence, I mean, there was just so many people who stood to benefit from this that it's kind of hard to figure out who is responsible. I mean, we know Booth was responsible. We know that his four co-conspirators were involved. But, you know, does it go deeper than that? Were there more Were there more fingers in the cookie jar? I'm inclined to say yes, and I don't really know how many or where it leads. But I am most... Most concerned with his VP because there was there was ample evidence that he played some role, including his own flipping wife saying the president's wife saying he totally did it. It's a bit so, suspicious. It's a bit weird. Very, very suspicious. Very weird. Uh, but I mean, again, that's it's the last thing you'd expect to see, like Rothschild get peppered around too. By the way, holy moly! Yeah, it's but a bit bizarre. That's, that's it for me, though. It makes me think of. Um, Zoolander, remember? Yeah, I, I well, I can't even think about Booth in general without thinking of Zoolander. Yeah, it. I forgot what it. The, well, there's a whole like Booth thing was an actor, take male models. And, yeah, and and, and uh, actors, remember? And so that's what they were going to use Derek Zoolander for. Oh yeah, and, you know Hinkley. Hinkley tried to kill Reagan over an actress. So yeah. it's weird, weird, weird. All right, Alex. Alex, what are you talking about today? I'm talking about. The Lincoln in the mirror. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm going to talk about a more paranormal incident that occurred to President Lincoln. And this is something that he's actually talked about on a couple occasions. So it's not some old wives' tale. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So this is, uh, well, I mean, I guess corroborated wouldn't be the right word. But in the book called... Uh, Washington in Lincoln's time. He kind of wrote, it's an entire book where he essentially has written out all these interviews and all this stuff about Lincoln's life. It's, it's a biography about his life pretty much. Okay. And so this is a kind of a longer excerpt, but it tells the entire story and it's all from Lincoln. So I thought it was fun. Hmm. Uh, um, it says, uh, it was just after my election in 1860 when the news had been coming in thick and fast all day and there had been a great hurrah, boys. I guess they had a party uh, <laughs> to celebrate that he had won the election. So that I was well tired out and went home to rest, throwing myself down on a lounge in my chamber. Opposite where I lay was a bureau with a swinging glass upon it. The glass is a mirror. Okay. And, and here he got up and placed... This isn't part of the season. It says he got up and placed, uh, <laughs> I guess, so during the interview, I guess Lincoln was pretty animated because he got up and he moved furniture around to show the layout of what was happening. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and looking in that glass, I saw myself reflected nearly at full length, but my face, I noticed, had two separate and distinct images. The tip of the nose of one being about three inches from the tip of the other. 
It was a little bothered, perhaps startled. And I got up and looked in the glass, but the illusion vanished. On lying down again, I saw it a second time, plainer, if possible, than before. And then I noticed that one of the faces was a little paler, save five shades, than the other. I got up and the thing melted away, and I went off, and in the excitement of the hour, forgot all about it nearly. But not quite, for the thing would once in a while come up and give me a little pang as if something uncomfortable had happened. When I went home again that night, I told my wife about it, and a few days afterward, I made the experiment again when, and apparently he started laughing, sure enough, the thing came back. But I never succeeded in bringing the ghost back after that, though I once tried very industriously to show it to my wife, who was somewhat worried about it. (laughs) She thought it was a sign that I was to be elected to a second term of the office, and that the paleness of the one of, of one of the faces was an omen that I should not see life through the last term. Oh my gosh. Mm. So he says that she's saw the second pale face as a representative of him not living into his second term. Sure enough. That's what happened. He yeah, he he had been elected and I'm sorry, I don't like mirrors just like in general. Mm-hmm. Yes. If I saw myself in a mirror in a way that's like that's not me, it's something else, it's a ghost me, I would not go back to that chamber as he calls it. No. Well, <laughs> yeah. But Lincoln as like everything I've ever read about him, he just seems super curious. And so like this happens and he's like <laughs> mildly startled. <laughs> <laughs> and he just wants to investigate, which is commendable. Um now, I was looking into, like, what could this mean? So this could be a doppelganger. And I know, I know a lot of times when we hear doppelganger, we think of someone who looks just like us out in the street in, like, a horror movie or something like that. Or, you know, just someone that looks like us. But a lot of times, it could be something like this. And in the world of, I guess, paranormal activity, it's mm-hmm. always something strange or sinister. No. Yeah, it's usually yeah. a death omen. Yes. Yep. It's, it's usually, like you said, it's a harbinger of bad luck, hardship, illness, disaster, and death. Mm. And it's never, ever thought to be a good thing. And so it could be a spirit or a demon is the thought. And that actually, like, this this is the possibly a physical manifestation of the, If it's not a spirit or demon, it could be a physical manifestation of something. But... Again, it's usually death. And maybe Mary got right on, right on the head. So Abraham could have been getting a message from the great beyond through his mirrors. Now, mm. there is one other possible explanation. I mean, there's a couple explanations if you're in the realm of supernatural. But a logical explanation could be something like the Janus illusion. What's the Janus the illusion? The Janus illusion. Okay, so you know when you see a mask? Or something, and you walk, and it feels like it's following you, but it's not. Like yeah. its eyes are. That's the Janus illusion. That's our perception that something is following us when it is actually not. So the Janus illusion was actually isn't usually something you associate with mirrors because you're, it's yourself. But in old timey mirrors, sometimes there'd be a double image that could a cause bit warped. I was at Target the other day and they had a mirror that made me look like I had like elephant yeah. trunks for legs and mm-hmm. it was very upsetting. <laughs> but <laughs> oh, that's a that's a funhouse mirror. Yeah, um I guess. but so old-timey mirrors would sometimes create duplicate images that could have a, a, some sort of effect like this. Now, Abraham Lincoln very explicitly describes two different images you know one much paler uh not looking like himself versus him versus his current image so i don't know i don't know but Hmm. that's the story of lincoln's that's creepy the lincoln in the mirror (laughs) (laughs) lincoln in the mirror oh man all right well album (laughs) Let me pull up my notes. 
I still like that this. I, I like the episode title for this one being Lincoln Logs. Yeah, no, that's what we're calling it. <laughs> that's what we're calling it. So it's my turn now to talk about Abraham Lincoln, y'all. Mm. Um, Abe, baby, and I am taking up Milo. Milo was the one who submitted this topic uh, into our community vase. And he wanted us specifically to talk about the grave robbing aspect of what happened to Lincoln after mm. he was murdered. <laughs> Do you guys know how many times Honest Abe has been dug up and his coffin has been moved? The time, the, the, the fact that you've given us options, like it's not just like, guess how many times it's happened. It's like, it feels like you've already, it's multiple. So I'm going to say five. Five. James, what's your guess? Seven. Seven. You guys are both way off. Are we over? No, you're way under. Oh. <laughs> 16. James, I think you add one to that. 17. Huh. There you go. I just said it because he's a 16. I like, I like how you said 17, like plus one is 17. <laughs> no. <laughs> he was moved 17 times at all, but as you all know, old Abraham, he was assassinated on April 14th. 1865. Actually, I'm not sure if you guys knew that. I do know. Yeah, you do if know. If I didn't already. I thought James for sure would mention the date that he was assassinated, but then he didn't. Yeah, it's a day I think about frequently. I know, it is. It's April 14th. Every every April 14th, I'm just like, this is the day that yeah. Abraham Lincoln lost his life. Mm. Abraham Lincoln, who shot, later succumbed to his injuries. And for about a month after he died, his body was just transported all over the United States so that all the American citizens could pay their respects, blah, blah, blah. Mm. And the country wanted him to have this super schmancy, fancy tomb as his final resting place because, you know, he was like the president of the United States. He Mm. deserves the best, right? Yeah. Seeing as his death occurred pretty abruptly, his tomb wasn't built at the time, so they had to put his body somewhere for safekeeping while it was being built. So he ends up being thrown into a vault at a cemetery in Springfield, Illinois, which is where he was from. Mm Mm-hmm. And there he laid as peacefully as he could for 11 years. Oh, okay. Seems, Pretty seems, good run. Yeah, it seems like a really long time to build a tomb. But what do I know? I'm, I'm no tomb builder. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. Well, let's ask the Egyptians how long it takes. <laughs> well, the date. Okay, I'm going to jump ahead to November 7th, 1876. Okay. Most people in Springfield are minding their own business, maybe trying to figure out how they could get their hands on the newly patented Alexander Graham Bell telephone. Came out this exact same year. Hmm. Better yet, they were probably all gossiping about a very close and controversial presidential race between Samuel Tilden and Rutherford B. Hayes. I think Hayes is like the president I know least about. Like, what did he even do? You know what I mean? He, you know what? There's a lot of controversy as to whether or not he was actually the the winner. Mm. It was, I I always think about like, you know, the last couple of elections that we've had, there have been a lot of people who said, oh, that election was fraudulent. Mm -hmm. That election was fraudulent. And then it's like looking back at all of the other elections, it's like, I feel like it's pretty common that that every. Everybody on one side says it was fraudulent if yeah. their guy didn't win. That's why we shouldn't have a republic. I should be king. Checkmate. <laughs> <laughs> boop, 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 boop. Okay, so. Struggle on that one. Okay, Ooh. so. Anyways, you know what? It doesn't even matter what other people were doing on this day because dear President Lincoln's body was about to be snatched. Sort of. By two quote unquote notorious characters as they were labeled by the Chicago Daily News at the time. But these characters were named Jack Hughes and Torrance Mullen, and together they tried to steal Abe's body. Mm. Why, you ask? Alex. Frankenstein's monster. A Frankenstein's monster? That would be horrifying. Yeah. Oh, no. Mm. It was. It, they didn't want to reanimate Lincoln. They if just, they brought him back, they could finish out his this term and control him and r- rule the country. This was eleven mm. years later. I know, but he still got a term to finish. Well, <laughs> the real reason is much more boring. They just wanted money, honey. Oh. So to give the story a little color, counterfeiting was a huge problem at this time. And earlier in the year, one of the best counterfeiters of the time, this guy named Benjamin Boyd. 
He was making these very convincing plates to just print a whole bunch of money, especially for a crime boss named James Big Jim Canali. I love that crime bosses always have nicknames. Yeah. yeah, he's Big Jim. So Boyd gets thrown into the clink, and Big Jim's operation goes kaput. Funny enough, earlier in the day, on the day that Lincoln was assassinated, he actually signed legislation that made it easier for the U.S. government to catch and charge counterfeiters. Hmm. So, anyways, Canali, he gets a bit upset when his fake money guy gets arrested. And he's like, I need more money. Let's bust Boyd out. (laughs) So, he devises a plan to raise the bail money. Really not. It's really just to get a pardon by the governor um, to get Boyd out and get him free. So, how is he going to do it, Alex? He decides that he's going to get two of his lackeys to steal the body of Lincoln and hold it for ransom. Because what could possibly go wrong with yeah. this plan, right? <laughs> yeah. And that's where Jack Hughes and Torrance Mullen come into the picture. And per an article that I found on this subject on thehistoryreader.com, Mullen was a bartender. Hughes was a counterfeiter himself. Y'all know what credentials these two men actually lacked? Mm-hmm. Intelligence. <laughs> uh, grave robbing. <laughs> Neither of them had ever done this before. So... <laughs> They were like, well, what are we supposed to do? And Big Jim's like, don't worry. I'll get you some help. You can do it. Just go steal Abraham Lincoln for me. And they were like, (laughs) we'll do, sir. Be right back. And the plan was to steal Lincoln's body and then bury it in some sand dunes near Lake Michigan until they got their money. And they wanted the governor to pardon Boyd and let him out of jail and then they also wanted an extra 200K because, like, just the pardon wasn't enough. We got to have that extra money, too. And my favorite part about this is that they forget that they are going to need pardons themselves. Yeah, I know. Well, that's the thing. It's like, <laughs> they how do they think that they would get away with this anonymously? Like, we're going to have to give the money to somebody. And Boyd, this guy who works for Big Jim, we're just going to let him out. Like, there's no, there's no way they're going to tie this to Big Jim, right? I would assume, yeah. So Mullen and Hughes are like, we got to figure out how to do this because neither of them knew anything about stealing bodies of former presidents. So they brought in some additional help. They got a guy named Lewis. I think his last name is Sweagles. Sweagles. I don't know how to say it. It's spelled S-W-E-G-L-E-S. And he was a self-proclaimed grave robber, according to this article I read. And then a guy named Bill Neely who was going to be the getaway driver, apparently. But unbeknownst to Big Jim and his boys, Sweagles and Neely were both Secret Service informants. So oh. the Secret Service and local police were all in the know because they call up Sweagles. So they say, hey, help us steal the body of Lincoln. And Sweagles is like, oh, I bet you the Secret Service is going to want to know about this. <laughs> and so we told them, and they knew about the whole plot. And so they were able to plan accordingly to prevent the theft of Lincoln's body. So. Yeah. It's the night of November 7th. The Secret Service are all waiting out by the makeshift tomb where Lincoln is being stored at the time. And then along comes Hughes and Mullen and Sweagles and Neely. Hughes and Mullen break into the tomb and they find that Lincoln's coffin is inside this hella heavy sarcophagus. And they couldn't (laughs) lift it. It was like 500 pounds. So they decide, okay, we're going to cut the end off. And just as they're pulling out Lincoln's coffin, (laughs) boom, off goes a gunshot. And they're like, oh, no. And Mullen and Hughes, they it turns out what happened was that one of the Secret Service guys accidentally discharged his firearm. Uh, I was hoping so, that Zombie Lincoln had just shot at him. wasn't Zombie Lincoln. You guys, with your reanimation of Lincoln. Oh, my yeah. goodness. Yeah. Well, the main Secret Service guy, his name was Patrick Tyrell. And he runs into the tomb to try to catch Mullen and, Mullen and uh, Hughes. But they both run off. So then he looks outside the tomb and sees some silhouettes and he fires off a shot. Silhouettes fire back. Turns out the silhouettes were just more of the Secret Service guys. So it's police firing at police. (laughs) Mullins and Hughes, they got away, you guys. But they didn't get away forever. They were caught 10 days later because, you know, the informants knew exactly who they were. So they got theirs, one might say. Grave robbing wasn't really a crime at the time, though. So they just got one year in jail. That was it. That's pretty. That's that's a long time for a crime that doesn't exist. <laughs> well, I, I I bet a year in jail in 1877 was pretty harsh. Yeah, especially if that's what you were known for being in jail for. Mm-hmm. 
But you know, like I just imagine them eating gruel every day and <laughs> it just being really dark and dank and stinky. I wouldn't want to be there. But anyways, Mullins and Hughes, they ended up failing their mission. But this whole plot really made Lincoln's caretaker more paranoid about possible grave robbing threats. So he was like, I've got to move Lincoln. I got to move him. So he ends up moving him to the basement of the tomb, which I didn't even know the tombs had basements, but whatever. That's where they put him. And they wanted to make it seem like he wasn't really there. So they covered up his coffin with a whole bunch of wood scraps and he sat there for two more years. (laughs) Yeah. All to his lonesome under a bunch of rubbish. Then eventually it was decided that they needed to move Lincoln once more because of something that had to do with the water table. Like they didn't want this place to get flooded because it's the You don't want Lincoln floating floating around outside. No. (laughs) So they move his coffin again, this time to an unmarked grave. And he sits there for two days. And then I guess someone got worried that maybe they had moved the wrong coffin or something. I don't know. Oh because my gosh. they exhumed him uh, once more to check to make sure it was actually him inside the coffin before they reburied him. Yeah. Again. Lincoln ended up staying in that grave for four years by himself before his dear wife, Mary Todd, passed on. And she was eventually placed next to him in that cold, dark basement, in the unmarked grave. And then they were eventually moved five years later to their special tomb. But they kept getting bounced around to different chambers within the tomb, apparently. And then they found out that the tomb itself had a faulty foundation. So they had to take down the whole thing and rebuild it. So finally, in 1901, 36 years after his death, the tomb was rebuilt. And Lincoln's son, Robert, was like, enough with all this moving. I'm tired of it. And he demands that his parents be placed inside a steel cage, lowered 10 feet down into the chamber... And then 4,000 pounds of concrete was poured over everything. And that is where Lincoln is said to be to this day. Ooh. Yeah. Didn't you say that somebody saw him and he looked the same? Oh, yeah. In all, well, in all, his coffin was moved again a 17 times following his death. And his coffin was reopened five times throughout the entire ordeal. And before they actually encased his coffin with concrete, because that's pretty permanent, like you can't go back from that. The people doing the work, they argued a lot about, should we open the coffin to make sure he's in there? Because we can't undo this once we pour concrete on him. And you know they wanted it to look. They want they want it to look. <laughs> so they ended up voting to make sure that it was him in the coffin. So they cut a little piece off the coffin. And they peeked in, take a look, see, is it, is it Lincoln? And they say, one, it smelled awful. They described it as a harsh choking smell arose from the coffin when they mm, the smell of a choke it open. Yeah, smell of a choke. <laughs> According to an article on RogerJNorton.com, they also said that Lincoln looked exactly the same thirty six years after he went into the ground and was bounced around seventeen times. Yeah, they said that you could see. That he lost his eyebrows? Oh, yeah, his eyebrows. They said that that was the only thing that was different, was that his eyebrows were missing. And his suit was covered in yellow mold. And everyone looked in, they said, yep, that's definitely Abraham Lincoln. And so I guess they fixed his coffin, and they buried him and covered him in two tons of concrete. And I read that um, one of the last people to see him, I can't remember what his name was, but the youngest person to actually view Lincoln the last time anybody saw him was he was 13 years old at the time and I think he died in like the 1950s but he said that he um he wasn't scared when he saw him but then he could not stop thinking about seeing Abraham Lincoln for 6 months after they opened the t- the the coffin that just blows my mind that a 13 year old who wasn't even alive when Abraham Lincoln was alive still got to see him yeah. in the flesh yeah yeah, so you guys, that's the grave robbing story of Abraham Lincoln. He's He's been moved around a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, wow. Milo, I hope that we did your topic justice. I know that we kind of took it some different ways, but yep. this was an interesting one. It's always it interesting to dive back into history. All right. Do we need to dive into the vase? Yes. <laughs> All right, Alex. Spin it up. Spin it up. Let's see what's inside. All right. Here you go. All right, you guys. Next week, we are talking about... Oh, we haven't done a cryptid in a while, but we're talking about mermaids. Hey. 
Yeah, and this topic was submitted to us by Noah. So Noah, Noah. thank you so much for sending us this topic of mermaids. Mm. I I don't know much about mermaids. Do you guys know much about mermaids? I know they can't dust. (laughs) They can't what? (laughs) It was a stupid joke. I'm sorry. Oh my! I don't. I don't get it. It was a play on maids. Oh my! Oh. Oh yeah. my gosh. Yeah, it was that bad. was good. Okay. I got right it. Right over my head. Yeah, mine too. <laughs> um <laughs> uh, I know that they're not as nice or as um beautiful as fiction makes it be. And we, we kind of briefly talked about those. <laughs> what? I feel like recently. Is, you mean as modern folklore. The way yeah, you said it, man, Alex. It makes it sound like they're a hundred percent real, and you met one, yeah. and they were they were ugly. All right, well, you talk to the people of Zimbabwe, and you tell them different. Okay? No, <laughs> I do. You guys remember the movie Hook and the mermaids in Hook? Oh man, no. there's like he falls in the water, and they've got all the. I wanted to dye my hair bright pink and bright green after I saw all those mermaids. That movie. No. I never did it though. You guys, I've got plain brown hair. James can attest to it. My hair is brown, isn't it, James? It is. It is. All right, you guys. Okay. All right, <laughs> let's wrap this up. <laughs> I, I think that James wants to get off and eat some ice cream. James, what flavor ice cream are you going to eat tonight? <laughs> S'mores. Okay. All right. Don't don't be bragging. <laughs> Our music is by Grant Cook. You can find it on Amazon Music, Spotify, iTunes, anywhere you listen to music. Cece said that she's already had ice cream today. I did, but I didn't have s'mores ice cream. Mm-hmm. True. I'm going to go eat a bowl of Cheerios. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> so until next week, you guys, we hope that you can keep, keep it straight. straight.